First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, set you apart completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Father, we love you. We praise you, we glorify you, and we bless you. We thank you, as always, for your blessed, holy word and the anointing upon it. Thank you for our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of your word. We believe you today as a group for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you, Father, for spiritual freedom in a free country where we are free to worship, praise, praise, speak, and teach your word without fear of retribution or anything else. We thank you. We thank you again that your word is true, that you're not a man to lie nor the son of man to repent. What you said you'll do, what you spoke you'll make good. Thank you. Thank you again. We don't need a man to teach us. We are taught by your Holy Spirit the great teacher, the power source that lives within us as Christians. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for who you are, our counselor, comforter, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, helper, teacher, and guide. Thank you. Thank you, dear Father, and thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't leave us comfortless. You left us another comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who's with us and shall be in us. Thank you. Now, Father, also we thank you and we believe you today for revelation, heart, knowledge, according to Mark eleven twenty four, for each of us as we study your word. We thank you that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God. And we honor you today as we study your word and build it in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we see here well, first of all, you know, we have to look at, in, in these times that we live, as Christians, we have to become more spirit conscious. More spirit conscious. That more than body conscious or mind conscious. I know it's hard not to be body conscious because we live in these bodies. It's like ignoring the house that you live in. If you ignore it long enough, it'll go to, to a pot. You know, and it'll need complete restoration. You can't ignore your body. Brother Hagin used to say he'd go years without knowing he had a body. I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven how he did that. Because he started out bedfast when he was in his mid-teens. He knew he had a body then because it gave him a lot of problems. But once he was healed, he moved forward from that. But we see here in this opening that it's clear that we're three-part beings. And we need to be more spirit conscious. Um, Paul's final prayer in this particular letter is that he converts, uh, his converts rather, might be wholly sanctified, set apart, that is that their whole being, their spirit, soul, and body, the soul being the, the mind, will, and emotions, 
may be yielded up to the will of God. The power for this has to come from the God of peace himself. It says here, may the God of peace himself set you apart completely. And your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're three-part beings. I know this is review for most of you, but we have to understand this. Look at John chapter 4 and verse 24. We prove, you know, this, this is more than a proof text. It's a statement. It is a proof text, but it's a statement. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Well, so God's a spirit. Does that mean we're spirits? It absolutely, you don't have to go any further than Genesis chapter 1 to understand that. And verse 26. It's good if we look at these. If you don't have your Bible, look at it on the screen. It says, Then God said, Let us. He said. He didn't wave a magic wand or, or uh, you know, throw his hands out and lightning bolt shot out or anything. Uh, he, he said, let the earth bring forth, I'm sorry, I was looking at 24. He said, let us make man in our image. That O is capitalized in my Bible. In our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I like what Brother Womack says, we have authority over creeps. Everything that creeps on the earth, we have authority. Let us make man in our image. God was speaking not only to what the New Testament reveals to be the rest of the Trinity, but to the entire host of heaven and the angels as well. Our image reflects such qualities as reason, personality and intellect the capacity to relate to hear to see and to speak all these are characteristics of God which he chose to reproduce in mankind so our image Jesus was always there uh, creating you know we we have to to realize that we're spirit beings the spirit's the one that's going to live forever not the bodies. We have minds. What about the minds? Good question. That's the soulish realm. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, mind, and body. It's, the soulish realm is more than just the mind. But we aren't souls, you know, in the real sense. We're spirit beings. We have minds. We live in bodies. Now, we think of it as so, our soul sometimes as the, the natural being because people say, let's, let's go out and win souls. Win souls to Christ. Or, you know, like that old nursery rhyme, Old King Cole was a merry old soul. It's a good old boy, right? When you look at it from that standpoint, he's a good old person, Old King Cole. Well, he wasn't a real person, of course, but, you know, you can say somebody else was, a, they're a good old soul, nice, nice old soul. 
But we aren't souls. We're spirit beings. We have souls, minds, wills, and emotions. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your will and your emotions entering in there. Emotions, too, enter into the spirit realm. You sense that in your heart. You know, if someone dies or if someone's born, you sense that in your inner being, your heart. If, if something happens that's good, you know it inside of you. You get happy, you get excited, that's in your spirit, in your inner being. It's an emotion, too. So it's also part of the soulish realm. Our mind, though, you know, our, our soulish realm stays with us even after physical death. The body dies. It's buried or it's cremated or it's, you know, done with whatever, you know, people do with their bodies. But it stays there. You say, how do you know that? I, I can prove it by the Bible. I didn't make it up. Look at Luke chapter 16. If you believe the Bible, you believe this. The mind's going to be around with your spirit. That's why we renew our minds to the Word of God. Not to, to some garbage that we see on television or hear, you know, or to political things or any other things. We renew it to the Word of God. Look at verse 19, Luke chapter 16. This, of course, is the New King James translation. Not much different from the King James. There was a certain rich man, certain rich man, some people call this a parable, but a certain rich man means that this man existed. A certain rich man. He was certain to be upon the earth, who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. So he had a bill of fare, good food. That means actually, in the margin, it means he lived in luxury. He had great food, great clothing, obviously had a roof over his head every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at the gate. This isn't the Lazarus that was friend of Jesus. He laid at his, or that he raised from the dead. This is a beggar with the same name. Obviously, a, a, a name that they used then. You know, like John or Bill or other names nowadays. But they laid him at the gate, desiring, he was desiring to be fed with the crumbs or what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Isn't that great? So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. What is Abraham's bosom? Well, there's couple of different schools of thought on this. You know, you have whatever school you want. But the, it's actually, to a Jew, Abraham's bosom suggests the honors place, honored place in paradise. And you can see in John 13, 23 about that. That is, the beggar received a special welcome in heaven, was seated beside Abraham. Also, the term may have been used to describe that segment of Hades, that segment of Hades at the time reserved for the righteous until, you know, following Jesus' resurrection. I, I'd adhere to that one before I would to the, to the other one. I don't believe it was heaven yet. Abraham's bosom. 
He died. The rich man also died and was buried. What well, was buried? His spirit wasn't buried. His mind wasn't buried. His body was buried because that part of his body had no use anymore. Nowadays, we as Christians and previous people who are going to heaven, Old Testament people, are going to get a glorified new body. It's going to look like this one, you know, but it's better, of course. But that's another lesson. We're not going to look at that today. But he died and was buried. His body was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted and you're tormented. Obviously, the rich man wasn't a godly man. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, the rich man said to Abraham, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. He became a flaming evangelist, didn't he? For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let him hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Yeah. What's Jesus' answer to that? He said, you know, this is not, this is more Jesus' answer than Abraham's. It's written in red. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. And now we see that all over the world. They're not persuaded. All over, they're not persuaded. We are spirit beings. Our bodies will be dead upon this earth someday. But our spirits and our souls live forever. And we'll have glorified new spiritual bodies. We live in bodies, but we're eternal spirit beings. We have minds, but we live in bodies. So how do we become more spirit conscious? I said in the opening, in the introduction, that we need to be more spirit conscious in this day and time that we live. It's essential. But I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you how. If I closed the message now and went home, you say, well, Brother John said we need to be more spirit conscious. But he didn't say how. Well, I'm going to say how. How do we become more spirit conscious? Stay in the Word constantly, constantly. The Word constantly. There, I said it. Got it out. Remember, Jesus is the living Word. Look at John chapter 1. We've looked at this now for the last several messages because of Jesus' birth, but we're going to look at it again. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. What did it say in Genesis 1.26? Let us make God in our, capital O, image in our likeness. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made. There was made, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. Darkness didn't comprehend it. He's always been around. He, verse 14, we don't have to turn there, but he said he became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank God he did. He's the living word. So that's why we have to stay in the word. Joshua 1.8 says, don't let this word depart from your mouth. Get it down in there. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Don't quit saying it. Don't quit speaking the word. Uh, Proverbs 4 says, my son, that means spiritual, you know, son, male and female sons, male man, female man. Don't, you know, keep, keep this word. Don't let this word depart from your mouth. Attend to my words. Pay attention to my words. Keep them in the midst of your heart, your spirit being. Keep them in the midst of your heart. They're life to those that find them in health or medicine to all their flesh. Guard your heart, he says, with all diligence. Out of it spring the issues of life. Now we need to, to remember some things. We need to avoid crisis praying when possible. There's going to be times when there's crisis praying. Somebody's going to call you or get in touch with you on Facebook or Twitter or some other social media or talk to you personally and tell you that they need prayer. Tell you that somebody else needs prayer. There's going to be prayer in crisis times. But we can't just pray in crisis periods. The Bible says we ought always to pray. Always to pray. Always. And we need to always study the word about healing and deliverance and protection and prosperity even when we aren't in a crisis for those. But we need to avoid it because you know, when the crisis comes up, it's like closing the barn door when the horse gets out sometimes. Or you know, trying to build your muscles when the strong man's already broken into the house. So we need to pray, yes. And you know, I'll mention that again here in this message, but not always in crisis periods. People will ask you to pray, and we need to pray, and do pray, because they're in a crisis, and they need you, but you know, we need to, to get above that. We need to confess the word constantly. We're talking about how we become more spirit conscious. Confess it constantly. Speak it constantly. Uh, not only when the problems arise in the situation, but speak it constantly. You know, Mark eleven twenty three says, If we say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and not doubt in our hearts, but believe those things that we say will come to pass, we'll have whatsoever we say. You know, not just the, when the mountain presents itself. All the time. Speaking the word constantly. Why? Jesus is the high priest of our confession. High priest of our confession. Look at um, Hebrews chapter 3. What is the high priest of our confession? Well, Jesus is. 
Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, that's us, partakers of the heavenly calling, that's us, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Therefore, consider all that Christ is and has done. Uh, you know, as apostle, Christ is God's representative to his people. As high priest, he's their representative to God. Jesus is our representative to God. You know, and the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession. I know there, he shouldn't, he, he, he shouldn't have to intercede for saints. You know, the per, the pure word for intercession, but he ever lives to make intercession. So thank God for it. If you turn over a page or so, in Hebrews chapter 4, we see in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast. So vitally important. Confess the word constantly. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank God. Thank God for it. Praise God. Thank God. Christ is the, the great confession. The great confession. Thank God. Look at Romans. Christianity, not Christ, is the great confession. I forgot how to read somehow, you know, over these last few months. I'll learn again. Christianity is the great confession. Romans chapter 10. Christ is the high priest of our confession. Romans chapter 10. The Bible says Christianity is the great confession. The only way that you should be thinking the con a confession is if you're a mute and can't speak. Then God will hear you and so will the devil. But he tells us, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe and we know that's the word pistis, that means faith, means to trust in, have faith in, be fully convinced of, acknowledge and rely on. Believe in, trust in, rely on and cling to. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness. That spirit man, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, we don't call with our minds. Unless I said, unless you're mute for some reason, can't speak. And there are people with that problem. So, you know, they can call with their minds. He'll hear them. But, if you have a mouth, a voice, call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You know, there, there's other examples of confession. The Bible tells us, and we ought to make these, I'll, I'll just give you a few. I have a whole list of them, pages of them. And we confess who we are in Christ. But the Bible says, in our pathway is life. 
there's no death. Psalm 118, 17. You don't have to quote the verse, the chapter and verse. God wrote the Bible. Jesus wrote it. We know. The Holy Spirit put it down. He knows the reference. In our pathway is life, there's no death. We'll live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. We're more than conquerors through Jesus. Romans chapter 8. We don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. We could go on and on. Those are just a few examples. Confession. So vitally important. Confessing the word constantly. Not only in problem situations. Always. And finally, we need to live the life. We need to live the life. Some people can talk the life, but they don't live it. There's talkers of the word. There's hearers of the word. We need, we need to be hearers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. We don't want to be self-deceived. Look at Hebrews chapter 3 again. We're going to look a little further into that chapter. Verse uh, 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. For if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it said today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Partakers means participants, associates, share, partner, companions. Thank God. We're partakers of Christ. Companions. Participants. Associates. Sharers. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. We need to be praying the word too. I said we'd mention prayer again. Speaking, confessing the word is important. But Jeremiah 1.12 says he watches over. He hastens his word to perform it. It's so important that we pray the word. And not just the first thing that pops into our head, but the Word. He watches over His Word, not our prayers to perform. So our prayers have to line up with His Word. We know what what 1 John 5 says about petition prayer. You know, it, it says if we, the, the Bible says that if we ask according to His Word, He hears us. If He hears us. We, we know that he hears us if we ask according to his word. If we pray the word. So we know we have the petitions that we desire of him. Speak and confess the word. Thank God. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. We'll begin to close with this. This is so important. 1 Timothy Chapter 6 and verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Brother Hagin used to say, the only fight that a Christian should be in isn't with his spouse or with his neighbor or somebody out on the street. It's the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession 
before Pontius Pilate, that you keep his commandments without spot blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. And he says here in Ephesians chapter 2, I said, live the life, be a doer of the word. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Some people think it's not important. Some people think the only way, you know, it says here, for we're his workmanship. The Greek for that is poemia. The English for that would be poem. We're God's poem. We're his workmanship. Created in Christ, in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should be doing good works. It's vitally important. Some people think, well, you know, our works follow us in. The Bible says that. So, you know, we didn't. What's the difference? We're going in, good works or not. There's a difference, vital difference, that we should walk in Him. The genius of God's new creation work in each believer is that He renovates the nature of His redeemed children to make good works a living possibility. Wouldn't tell us to do it if we couldn't do it, right? It's, it's something that we can do. They don't get us saved. Good works don't get us saved or healed or delivered or prospered, but they help us to be obedient. Praise God. Thank God. We're a three-part being. Spirit, soul, mind, will, and emotions, and bodies. Spirits and minds stay with us. Thank God these particular bodies don't. How do we become more spirit conscious? Stay in the word. We, we need it this day and age. Stay in the word daily, constantly. Stay in the living word. Confess the word constantly. Know that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. And Christianity is the great confession. Make those confessions Put them on paper if you have to and read them till you get them in your heart. Know who you are in Christ. Get one of those in him books if you have to and look them up and write them down. Type them out. Do whatever you have to do and live the life. Pray the word. Speak and confess the word. Let your goodness be seen. You're his poem. And thank God for it. Stay with an attitude of thanksgiving. An attitude of prayer, an attitude of love. Father, we love you, we praise you, we honor you, and we thank you. We thank you that you've given us your word on every subject. Father, we love your word. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of living it. We'll be doers of your word, not hearers only. We won't be self-deceived. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for coming, living, dying, going to hell, defeating the devil, rising from the dead in victory over death, hell, and the grave, ascending to heaven, presenting your blood in the heavenly holy holies. Thank you 
that we're seated right now at your right hand positionally where you ever live to make intercession. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. We thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, the power source, the mighty one who lives within us, teaching us, leading us, helping us. Thank you for delivering us from the power of darkness, translating us into your kingdom, kingdom of the Son of your love, your dear Son, with whom there's redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the blood. We speak it. We apply it. We thank you for it. We plead it. We act on the blood. We thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're out there, you're listening to this in some form of media, on the blog, And you've never made Jesus your Savior and the Lord of your life. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. That was written roughly 2,000 years ago. If it was now then, it's now, right now. Jesus said in John 6:37, If you come, I won't turn you away. Come just as you are. There's no sin other than the rejection of Jesus that will keep you out of heaven. Nothing you've done. Come before Him. Repent. Mean it in your heart. Do what we read in, in Romans 10, 9 and 10 and 13. Speak it. Confess it with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Pray this prayer with us. Say it out loud. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, just as I am. Jesus said, if I come, you won't turn me away. Jesus, come into my life as my Savior. I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you, Father. I'm now your child. I'm born again. Born from above. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to overflowing. And I'll speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me utterance. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for filling me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, get to a good church. A word-believing, word-teaching, word-living, word-doing church. Sit under good teaching. People that are teaching the unadulterated word of truth. If you can't get to a good church right now, listen to somebody online. Listen to somebody in broadcast TV or Roku or YouTube or somewhere that you can hear the word preached. Stay in the word. Stay in the word daily. Get a, a, into a good devotional. Stay there. Keep it before your eyes. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Attend to the word. Thanks for joining us. Praise God. Amen. Shall we stand?